Hello and welcome to Conversations from the Center, episode mix. I'm Dolly Maria Benfield. Welcome, and I'm Chris Bratton. This episode's case study is with artist Sioia Kiambi. Next, artist and curator Kamadu introduces a sound work by Akapcha. The conversation for this episode is with members of Mix Media, a trans and non-binary activist cultural collective that includes E. Donkey Chase, D. Borrego, Lara Americo, and Esther Merende. And the episode ends with a performance by Katasar Research Fellow McCurson and Lakai Dance Theater. It's a sanctuary, in a sort, for myself. It started that way. It'll continue to be that. Um, I think it's a home. It's not like an institution. It's not designed to be an institution. So in one way, I've grown a lot. In, in maybe 10 years ago, I was still thinking very institutionally. Like it has to be a library, it has to have this, it has to have that, in terms of spaces and the way I was thinking. I don't know how I broke that thinking down. I guess it's connected to my personal life, where I, I broke apart my life. And then I, I went into a, a moment of... Uh, not necessarily just being comfortable with with myself and accepting uh, the mix mash that that is me and then from there I just mixed my I was able to mix my heritages in a fluid way and people would visit and they would feel really comfortable and they'd want to visit and it started that way I'll tell you a story a woman um I was this was when nothing was existing just a little shack on the side and I just moved the studio and um, I was washing dishes outside and a woman came I had no fence I had no gate um, there was no wall the wall wasn't built by me I would never build a wall <laughs> to begin with and uh, she came she stood by the door I was shocked I was like oh who is she and then she looked very familiar I thought she was a friend of mine then I realized no she's not a friend of mine I said okay so who are you she's like I have to say I've been wanting to know who lives here and um, and I was like, why? And she's like, well, I've been coming here and sitting on your porch. And I was like, huh? Okay. So I said, do you want a cup of coffee? And she said, yeah. And so we sat, we had a cup of coffee, and she's like, yeah, I've been coming here because it's the only place I feel really safe in. And she told me her whole story. She's 50. Uh, she comes from Samburu. She lives in Berlin. And she's an FGM survivor. And she was, um, her, the violent mutilation that happened to her happened to her in Rongai. And uh, she was making like safe spaces in uh, Samburu land because it, the, the girls run away to the church, but the, the priests send, kind of work with the families and send them back, so they're not a safe space. And uh, she said, yeah, in Rongai she never feels safe because this is the trauma she went through. She told me she'd just done reconstructive surgery, which was even more traumatic than the initial um, FGM. And she just said, yeah, this when she walks in the evenings, for some reason, my place was like telling her to come. So, so it's a total stranger. And then I said, yeah, anytime you're walking and you want to sit on my porch, feel at home. There's a socket. <laughs> you can do work. And she's like, you're for real? And I said, yeah. But this is what's been happening in this space. That was just a necessity. So I was living with my ex-partner in Bomas of Kenya. 
And um, I make very uh, ephemeral work. I have a social practice. I do work that's difficult for people to live with, um, about identity, about history, about racism, about power structures, stuff you don't want to look at, especially in a society where the gaps of wealth are so huge. Uh, the racism is very strong. Um, people are consistently undermined. Uh, there's a lot of kind of so psychological violence over generations. So it's not stuff you want to live with. Um, so in order to make the work I wanted to make, I always um, I decided to teach part-time so I could fund my own practice. So I wasn't, I did, wasn't in a position that most artists find themselves in where they have to compromise a lot and make work that's sellable in a market that wants a specific kind of idea of what African art is or Kenyan art is um, in order to feed themselves. I wanted to get away from that uh, cycle and buying land was a big part of that because with that I have even more independence. Um, I don't have to worry about uh, rent money to get out of that system of dependency where then I compromise the work in order to survive. That was really the, the core key of it. And when I was looking for land, uh, this area was like cheaper than the rest of Nairobi. And um, at the time, only 8% of uh, people in the city owned land, which is insane. So you have these massive... Um, few families who own copious amounts of property, and that's it. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, so it was always designed in a way of um, the traditional way of separate structures for different activities. Um, I don't know if Bomas normally have like a horseshoe or a circular design. Not the, the buildings are not traditional in any sense. Um, and I, oh, I knew I wanted that kind of design because it facilitates being able to be with many people without feeling like you're on top of each other. And there's something about the inside-outside living. You're not indoors completely. You're not outdoors completely. It's an in-between space. So that thing of untethered or fluid is constant. And the studio I bought years ago, this studio that we're sitting in, it's, you can take it apart and put, fit it in a truck. So when I was buying the studio, I was actually thinking, I was working. I had a son. I still have a son, of course. He's, uh, at the time, 2011. He's born in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. He's 4 or 5. So I was like, am I going to go to work, then go to a studio, and then come home? That's ridiculous. So I got a studio that was mobile that I could put in the property I was in, knowing I could move it. But the thing with me is wherever the studio goes, that's really now my anchor. The studio's always been the anchor. And the structures around, I mean, we just, you make do. It wasn't designed for others. It's just designed for what is needed. And that is my needs, other people's needs, but they are aligning in a sense. I don't know if that's making sense for you. I think the other thing is institutional thinking. I think the other thing is not a home. Um, I think... It's not an honest exchange if it's about the space. Of course, in a sense, the space facilitates being together. But if you start to get into the mode of um, PR machinery, 
or if I start to look for people and I'm inviting people because I've come to you, that's a completely different negotiation than if you've, you've heard about the space and you've heard it's available and you want some time out or you want to create something or you want a different dialogue and you're coming. That's a very different negotiation between us than if I've come to you and if I've come to you then there's a mode of expectation and if you've come to me and the space is open for just making or being or sleeping then that's completely different. I think um, we're, we, uh, we really want to make a garden like a vegetable garden uh, we really want to have solar panels so one thing is to get even more off the grid of dependency. Um, and yes, when I'm gone and you're in my studio studio, the building we're sitting in, or the structure we're sitting in, my writing is everywhere, but other people's writing is also there. And it's a philosophy or a way of thought. And I don't even know how to concretize that way of thought. But it's supposed to exist without me. That would be my ideal. I've been kind of writing my will because of uh, lots of reasons. <laughs> but um, in my will, I have three people who are in charge of continuing the space as a residency. It, um, and kind of the land in front will belong to my family. But this space should, should continue with or without me as long as it's not becoming an institution, <laughs> as long as it stays a home. So the artist of this month, um, she's called Ariana, her artist's name, a capture. Um, a sound artist, DJ, Brazilian producer um, who lives in Sao Paulo. And she provided, provided us with a sound piece, which is quite interesting for the conversation of the center sound art section for this month. I can explain a soundscape more in relation to our acoustic environment and the different sound sounds in our spaces um, on different locations. It can be in the field or in our homes. And this specific track um, by a capture, which is not named, um, features like different ambient recordings and noise sounds um what you could like here in the in the piece is subtle rain um maybe under an umbrella but you can hear different sounds within the piece and also how she's she's she has used noise as an element throughout the piece more of um a beautiful side or beautiful interpretation of 
noise within the, the piece itself.
Hi, everyone. I'm Dalida Maria Benfield, and I'm the Program and Research Director for the Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research. And I'm super excited to introduce this session, Episode 7 of Conversations from the Center. The key word for this conversation is mix. And I'm Chris Bratton. I'm the Executive Director of the Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research, uh, the project's uh, conversation with the center is really about the kind of um, those ideas that are most kind of urgent and relevant to uh, how, where we find ourselves now. And today, as Dalida said, the conversation is about mix. And particularly, it's about a project that's launching very, very soon. Joining us are some of the core members of the center's mixed media productions project. And they are Esther Merembe, E. Domke, Lada Americo, and D. Borrego. First question was for E, but in fact, it's a question for all of you. So please feel free to jump in, any, any of you, please. Uh, and it's really about uh, uh, what mixed media is and what your hope for the project is. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, mixed media for me is a it's a platform for for transgender and um, non-binary. I like to call them super creators, and I guess what I mean by super creator is anyone who's you know in the arts and making art, or researching, or writing, or kind of doing anything in the creative realm. Um, you know, who's trans or non-binary who's trying to lift that community up. And my hope is that um, this platform, although, you know, it's it's definitely going to develop more of a concise mission, but I hope it's always here to support anyone doing an amazing project in those venues. And I hope that, you know, through those venues, um, you know, we're addressing social change and we're giving access to transgender and non-binary um, super creators to be seen and to be heard. And I hope that this, you know, becomes something more than just a platform that's about visibility. I, you know, we want to build it to something where it's able to support those populations a little more directly. And hopefully we can get to a place where, you know, I don't know, maybe we can do micro grants for these creators and, um, whether we're directly involved with the project or not, if it's an amazing project, we could perhaps at least sort of help fund or kickstart that that process for these creators. I'm thinking what excites me about the possibility that um, comes with this space is just for trans and non-binary artists to be able to I guess, create whatever it is that they want to create. Because I guess the more mainstream um, spaces are so, what can I say? They, they usually don't have space for the other ways, if that makes sense. And I'm excited for this particular project because it centers the other ways. Yeah. I love that phrase, Esther, uh, space for the otherwise. Um, 
And I, I wonder um, for everyone in terms of the, you know, the, this question of the otherwise, um, you know, what are the forms that you might imagine that the otherwise takes? Um, because as a, a media production project, um, you know, one's imagination might immediately go to uh, uh, hegemonic forms of media, you know, forms that are already existing, things that we already know. Um, so I, I'm interested in, in what you all think in terms of like, what are the other forms? What are the other forms that we need um, to tell uh, your stories and and our stories of um, of otherness. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably the only thing I left off my answer. Now that I'm thinking about it, as to what you know mixed media means to me and what I hope it becomes. Um, you know, it's 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 really a platform that you know take, takes a multi layered approach to to storytelling to kind of get transgender life and culture out there into the to the public and then the other part of that is you know creating an archive of of our existence our creative existence you know you get if someone's working with fiction or non you know or non-fictional work uh, and that archive is something that is super important because it's it's there there really isn't like a consensus or a concise archive out there there are repositories where you can find these stories and these histories, but for the most part, they're very fragmented and a lot, you know, depending upon how far back you go, a lot of it isn't, you know, people like to point out that it's not concrete, that people are like having to take their most educated guess as to whether this person was indeed non-binary or trans. Um, yeah, of course, because they had to live in secret, <laughs> you know, they had to live in secret or be stuck in an insane asylum or killed or, or worse. Um, so we're in a unique point in history where in parts of the world, um, those of us that choose can be out there and can put those stories out there and can, and can make that sort of archive and that repository of knowledge. And so for me, a big part of this platform is also, you know, a long-term archival record of transgender and non-binary creators. I have a question. Thank you, E. That was very beautifully put. Um, I have a question for uh, specifically Lada, and it really is uh, the, the fact that both of you are musicians, although you have very kind of complicated practices, you do other things as well. But maybe talk a little bit about, if I, I could ask you all to talk a little bit about uh, the space of sound and music kind of within this this uh, this idea of, uh, of a kind of different archive How, and, 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 and a space of different storytelling. I think it's really important to break out of the trope of uh, the only time you really hear about trans people is when something bad is happening, when the government's trying to delete us or um, someone was attacked or murdered because they're transgender. Um, which it leads to the fact that it's really hard to make art and music and creative things when you're constantly fighting for survival, which, um, is, is, is the case for a lot of transgender people. Um, 
so having um having several and multiple and expansive examples of transgender people who are creating and are excelling at um technical skill and ability like music and art Um, I think it's really important for it to be out there. Well, I want to th- thank you, Lada. I also want to correct. I'm sorry, Dee. You're all, you're an artist, not primarily musician. And um, and maybe uh, let me ask you very specifically how you see this uh, this kind of idea of a different space for storytelling or a different space for kind of archiving experience within your own work. Well, thank you. Uh... I certainly enjoy music, but I am more of an artist and writer and interested in historical aspects than music. That is true. I I guess for me, the thing about being involved with this project is that it doesn't afford an ability, like E was saying, to centralize more of the work artistically from people who live outside of the quote-unquote gender norm. Um, And I think it, at least for me, is a really interesting opportunity to try to bring some of my knowledge and my experience about the history and linguistic aspects of being trans into into this discussion. To jump in here, Dee, I'm, I'm curious. I know that this is a huge question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, because I know that, you know, for the, um, for the launch of the, um, mixed media site, which by the way, is going to happen on October 4th. Um, so upcoming really soon, which is very exciting. Um, but I know that you've written an extensive, um, a couple of essays on um, on history, and I'm I'm really curious. Um, uh, I mean, if you were to just like condense like three points that you would like a reader to take away, um, what would those be? Uh, I suppose the most important thing I would want someone to take away from what I've written so far is that trans people, gender non-binary people, we, we have always existed in every society, in every culture, ever since there is written record of human beings. We've always been part of what's been going on. It's just the language and definitions and how we would define ourselves and how the society around us would define us has changed drastically depending on where and when you're looking at. So I, I guess that's really the, the biggest takeaway is that gender non or rather, trans people have always existed. Intersex people have always existed. You know, we 
have always been part of societies and at varying points we've been fortunate like we are now that there's been more visibility and better language and accessibility around trans issues and that's not always been the case but there's a lot of places where our history as trans people intersects with mainstream historical accounts and it's largely overlooked so i i hope that i can at least contribute a little bit to understanding how it all fits together and how we've always been a part of the narrative thank you so much d that's amazing and i i'm really intrigued with this idea of um the kind of what you're pointing to a kind of global history the idea that this is you know that uh, the the trans experience that the intersex experience actually is just a human experience it's something that has you know in, been present in all kind of culture and maybe i would put this give this question exact uh, precisely to esther to think about you know this as a global project and the potential you see for that esther from your perspective in kampala I like first of all the fact that in this in this space makes media we don't necessarily no not necessarily we don't have to um we don't have to kind of justify <laughs> um our existence if that makes sense and you know I think that the work D is doing is important um but also there are different artists working on other things and i think you know there's space for all of this work but i think the most important thing is how you know saying yourself in a story or something like that can make so many things possible which i guess is what stories um in all forms and art do and i i think that's what i like about this work it it makes something possible i think to know that you know you're not <laughs> the first to exist you're not the first one to do it you know you're not the first one to look like this i think it creates certain um waves of possibilities i i i like that yeah i think that's what it does for me this makes me think too of uh uh Laura, your your recent um, um, work, we j- I just happened to not happen, but I was uh, fortunate enough to see a, a draft of one of the works that will be um, distributed through mixed media um, when it launches. Um, and you know, it's a beautiful song that is. Uh, recorded with uh, four different cameras. And so there's kind of four different selves that are uh, represented with each camera shot. Um, and and, I, I, and I, 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 I'm thinking about the idea of multiplicity and the multiplicity of identities, the multiplicity of our 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 subjectivities and, um, you know, how does that fact of uh, a kind of multiplicity 
um, which I think, you know, can, um, uh, uh, you know, describe a, a trans, uh, non-binary, um, an intersexed, um, identity that exceeds, you know, the unitary, the idea of like the unitary subject, you know, that everyone is supposed to be like this or that. Um, uh, so, but I wonder like, how, how do you think that that impacts, um, what a story is like, what is the form of a story? Um, thanks for the compliments about that song. I can't wait till it's, um, actually finished. Um, but I feel like I'm a different person based on which instrument I play. Um, and gender identity sort of plays into that in a very, very small way musically, but, um, in a broader sense, um, just everyday life affects uh the intricate combinations of feminine and masculine like for example um i go to get coffee usually every morning and depending on which barista is there um it determines whether i turn up the femininity or the masculinity because of the way they treat me and their gender identity and presentation and I don't think most people realize how much they turn it up or down in their own lives. Like, um, my dad, when he was on phone calls, he would always make his voice deeper. So they would take him more seriously because otherwise he would sound too fun and too, too much like a teenager. Um, but yeah, the, the music video was just a, tiny little bit of that that I didn't realize till you mentioned it. Thank you, Lada. Um, it, it is an incredible piece. I, I got to see at least the first draft of it, and it's so incredibly powerful, and it really speaks so urgently to, I, I, I think, as Dalida was saying, the the kind of power and the kind of politics of a, of a kind of uh, 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 a relationship to identity which is more fluid and kind of open and and engaged with the world um my we're we're very close to being done uh now and i wanted to ask uh, a final question for the full group and maybe bring it back to the question of mix and what it is that um sort of from each of your perspectives what's being mixed and 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 what are the what are what are the stakes in what's being mixed what are the goals of the mix itself and and uh, I guess maybe I would ask D first, and then if everyone else could answer it, I would appreciate it. Well, thank you for picking me first. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I get to think about, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, there's no thinking here. <laughs> um, part of the mix. <laughs> so I guess part of the mix for me is thinking on your feet. Um, uh, but seriously, um, I guess... For me, the thing that mix really means, especially in the work that we're doing, for me, it really means the mixing of and the of and the intersection of where our identities as trans people and as artists and as creative people come to a point and come to a into focus. You know, we all live with so many different identities, and I think 
part of the beauty of this project is that it brings together these voices of people and artists and creatives who don't often or don't always have a place to really let their work shine and speak for itself. So for me, it it means that we're creating, mix means that we're creating a place where we can, we can intermingle and we can bring our work together in a multitude of ways and contribute to what we have to say as artists. Um, my baby's getting really excited about this question. So, um, so the mix... It's beautiful. So the mix for me... I think it's an opportunity to show that we're not just a bunch of sob stories. We're a group of people that were born into a stodgy world with all these... With way too many rules based on gender and... And things beyond gender as well. Um, It's not just about us displaying art made by trans and queer people. It's us showing that um, we're people who overcame pain and suffering by finding ourselves despite of all the rules that were imposed on us since we were born. And overcoming all of that adversity, we followed through with um, these displays of our soul and our development as people beyond those limitations. Um yeah, that's what it means to me. The word that's like come to my head right now is entanglement. But um, I think we are, first of all, mixing the forms of media. Um, but also, I think creating or I think it for me it particularly means creating a different center um, from which we are making our art, yeah, um, and moving away from the very you know hegemonic kind of center. I think that kind of moving away is is what we are doing, yeah. The word mix for me, right? Um... It's just that. It's not one thing. Um, it doesn't demand that someone's a boy or someone's a girl, you know. It doesn't demand that if you're told you're a boy, that you have to, that you actually are a boy, etc. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't demand that I, I have to stick with one, one theme or like one media when I'm trying to sort of get my... Uh, journey and my experience out there um because a big part of that is making sense making sense of it for myself too as well as well as others so for me mix is the word mix kind of symbolizing like taking the limits off of things right so a lot of people talk about breaking the binary um the the binary is like two polar ends right the problem with that is is they want to discount everything in between um, I, I don't have a problem with the polar ends. I just want the, the in-between counted just as much. So when I think about my work and I think about 
um, you know, the different media I use and the images I put out or, or, or like, you know, words or, or moving, moving images, you know, that's, that, that, that's the whole deal. I just, I think about basically creating this sort of nonlinear fragmented story um, that obviously, you know, a lot of this stuff is pulled from my lived experience and, and sort of who I am. But I want to I want to put it out there in a, in a more nimble and mixed way that allows people, if they want to spend time with it, to sort of suss out this blended existence and what that means for themselves. So that's that's what I think of when I think of mix. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been an honor to share this space with you. Um, it's it's I honor your work. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, so excited about the future of mixed media and the work that you all will continue to produce and the spaces that you will make for your voices, for a much larger community of voices and, uh, really, a. a a planetary uh, sense of um, mixedness. Um, so thank you again for joining us and onwards, onwards to mixed media and the launch on October 4th. Did you um, want to get the uh, sort of the website out there, the address? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to say yeah. that now, E? Yeah. So the web, oh. the website where you can find us, um, is mix and that's just mx media dot productions or you can reach us via transgender tv.org and on instagram it's all one word it's just at mixed media productions we end now with an excerpt from the block by lakai dance theater Lakai Dance Theater presented The Block in Afro Musical as part of the 2019-2020 MIT Performing Series. In The Block, the street becomes a stage for self-reflection on toxic masculinity, racial profiling, mental health, and violence, all as a means of community improvement. Through hip-hop and Afro-diasporic movement styles, the performance challenges stigmas on black and brown vulnerability and the difficulties of asking for help. Developed from individual narratives of the directors and performers, the script shares personal stories of hardships and triumphs, experienced in a tough and violent, yet ultimately creative and resilient urban community. The piece includes an original musical score composed by the company.
born criminal ready to be a dad. Not doomed to be a baby daddy or let to end up in a system. And we are no longer waiting for y'all to listen. Because our black brothers will not be Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversations from the Center. Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you with us today. If you'd like more information about the Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research, you can follow our website at centerartsdesign.org. You can follow us on Instagram at centerartsdesign, on Twitter at centerartdesign, and you can also email us at center.adsr at gmail.com. 